This is Mike Banna. I'm live for the first time in 30 days. Tonight we have an incredible show with two giants of the long-term care insurance industry, Mr. Peter Gelbwax, Mr. Mark Goldberg, and it's coming your way right now. And we're here for the first time in 30 days live. And I want to thank so much Diane uh, Daniels, who was my co-host last week when I wasn't feeling too well. She drew a record amount of people. She is the founder and president of Medicare Nation. And thank you so much, Diane, not only for taking my place, but for having such a great show and um, just talking about uh, Medicare for all, some of the good things about it, some of the not-so-good things about it. I know I watched the show from home, and I learned a lot. But So thank you, Diane. So without further ado, I'm going to give a little synopsis of what 62 Who Knew is for our new and ever-growing audience, and then we're going to get right to our two guests, who are two of my favorite people in the world. So what is 62 Who Knew? Everyone as they approach the age of 62, whether it be myself, my father, his father, his father behind him, whatever, all generations when they come to about that age in the last 30 or 40 years, all have the same thoughts. Should I take Social Security? Should I defer it to a later age? Do I have enough life insurance? Do I have any life insurance? Do I need long-term care insurance? What type of Medicare supplemental policy should I get? Have I invested enough? Have I invested correctly? All the questions that everyone asks have always been the same generation after generation, except for my generation. I'm 61 years old, and my generation has a different obstacle than any generation before it. And what is that obstacle? Longer lifespans. Today, if you live in this country to be 65 years old, you have a 50-50 chance of making it to 90. And as our friends at the Weizmann Institute, who have appeared on the show several times, in the next 10 to 20 years, that 90 could be well into the hundreds. How do you prepare for living without working, without bringing an income, and having a quality of life for 30 or 35 years? And that's what 62 Who Knew is all about. Who knew when we got to this point in life that we could still have another 30 to 35 years left. And that's why we bring on the nation's best long-term care insurance experts, social security experts, 
financial planning experts, Medicare, Medicaid, and the list goes on. So that's the premise of this show, and it's been growing now for a little over a year. And again, last week we had over 90,000 viewers, and I think we're going to break a record this year because we do have, this is it. This is the biggie. You ready? Let's introduce uh, two of my favorite people in the world. First, Mr. Mark Goldman, who has been our guest four or five times and has uh, been responsible for some of our biggest shows ever, and it's so well-known in the long-term care insurance business. Thank you so much for being back, Mark. Hey, okay. Nice right. to see you. Good to talk to you in the Grand Canyon. John, you able to fix that? Yeah, well, we can do that. And next, uh, just one of my favorite people in the whole world, uh, meet Mr. Peter Gelblax. Hello, hey, Peter. Mark, How are uh, you doing? It's great to be here, but there is a lot of feedback uh, getting. A lot of echo. It's all right. We're going to work echo. on it. Yeah. All right. So the first question I'm going to ask, because I've already asked Mark this um, several times, is uh, Peter, because I, I happen to know the answer to this question, and I, I, I ask it to almost everyone, but yours is a particular touching story. You know, you've been in uh, the long-term care insurance industry for, I'm not even going to say, well, I'll let you say, how many decades? Uh, three, uh, 31 or 32 years, but who's mm -hmm. counting? But who's counting? That's right. What made you, as a young man, enter the long-term care insurance world three decades ago when it certainly wasn't a very popular industry to be in. What made you do that? Well, first, let me congratulate you on a one-year anniversary. You've done a great job, and we're really Thank looking you. forward to, to watching and listening to your show going forward. To answer your question, though, I was already in the um, insurance business for 15 years, specializing in life insurance at the time when uh, my dad passed away in the middle 80s. And we had the um, experience of becoming personal caregivers uh, to my mother. And I, I um, didn't know what that actually meant uh, until it became my role. And my mom had 16 surgeries and 60 hospital stays and five both broken hip operations, emphysema, cancer, manic depression, uh, all boiled into one little lady. And, and um, this went on for a period of about nine years until she passed away in uh, 1995. So what ended up happening was uh, um, it was a rude awakening. I thought Medicare, a lot, a lot of people to this day think that that's the answer. I thought Medicare was going to be the answer and be, be helping us out uh, financially. Uh, uh, I didn't realize what the emotional, the physical, and the financial uh, devastation that was going to take place uh, that actually did take place. Um, and we spent about a quarter of a million dollars to take care of mom before she passed away. Uh, because Medicare didn't cover her. She didn't qualify for Medicaid. She just was over the income cap. So we were personally responsible to her. And, <coughs> her. Um, and we had a, a, a long run at this. And I realized that most of America at that time, in particular in the 1980s, early 1990s, had no awareness whatsoever of what was going to happen and how they were going to handle it. And that bad stuff does happen to good people. Yeah. Uh, and that you need to do something about it in terms of how you prepare for it. So instead of becoming a social worker, which I had, I was a sociology major in college. I decided to go in the insurance business. And I, and this was a light that came on and said, this is the area that you need to specialize in. So we began educating the public and writing uh, articles and forming uh, relationships uh, at all levels um, back in the 80s and 90s. And 
here we are fast forwarding to today, still trying to tell the story and get people to listen and make them uh, understand what risks are involved and what they can do about it. And things are changing, though. Things are happening that are much different than, and hopefully we'll cover some of that in the show today. But um, it's yeah. been, been a very interesting, exciting, and it's sometimes depressing uh, uh, you know, situation to have to deal with. Um, in terms of facing the reality of aging. For sure. Uh, Let me ask, before we get to what's new uh, in the industry, I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked Mark. uh, I've asked Bill Comfort. uh, um, You know, I've asked Carol. uh, All great people that you have introduced me to that have been on the show. And I'm going to ask you this. It's just amazing to me that the country hasn't wrapped its arms around this great product. Um, I always make you know similarities. I draw comparisons to reverse mortgages. The, the, the public thinks it's too expensive. The public doesn't understand that the public thinks it's not needed. Yet it is, especially in today's longer lifespans, which is what the show is about. Why do you think with, you know, again, you've had some superstars in the industry putting out the word, but we can't get you know, mom and dad to realize that they really do need this. What, what has been, has it been an industry thing, a, a lack of a Hollywood spokesman? What has been missing the last few decades to get the world to pay attention to long-term care insurance? Well, it's an interesting question with a very complicated answer. You, you touched on a number of, of the uh, answers. <clears throat> First of all, I don't think it's mom and dad anymore. I think it's us or our kids not mom and dad, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, yes, it's not going to happen to me until it does. Mm. Um, no, I don't need it in, until you do. And, uh, you know, and the idea of spending money on something that you really don't want to even talk about um, is not a fun thing to do. So it's, um, it's a combination of the complicated nature of the product design combined with... Um, the confusion about who will and who does pay for long-term care expenses, um, along with the idea that most people are, are in denial even to this day. So we have, I don't know, Mark could probably tell you better than I could at this point, but somewhere in the area of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12% of, of, of who should be buying it that has per- actually purchased the, the product, uh, depending on what age group we're talking about. It's different today than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago in terms of your average age buyer or even people that are considering long-term care insurance. But a lot of reasons why uh, that added up to, no, it's not for me at this point, I'm going to table it, if I even think about it at all, or whether the federal government or state government or someone else will take care of it um, if it does happen. So it's a lot, a lot of complexity to the answer. And there's no one single item that you could pick out and say, well, this is the main reason. Mark, but what do you think? A complicated product design certainly did not help. Mark, it's kind of a branding problem, Michael. That's yeah. part of the problem. Who the, who the heck wants to go? If you sit around, again, we used to, you know, back in the day, do group talks. And you'd say to the crowd, how many people here think that someday somebody in this room will have to need long-term care? And all the hands would go up. And, and, and then you'd say, well, how many people think it'll be you? And no hands would go on. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Nobody wants to think about going to a nursing home. The, the irony of that is, and we've spoken about this before, but the irony of it is having a plan in place will actually help you stay out of a nursing home. Yeah. yeah right. it, it always has amazed me, of course, you got you both of you, uh, 
you know, taught me this, but it always is amazing when I bring up long-term care insurance as a not professional, but I always bring it up, how many people think it's nursing home. I don't want nursing home coverage. And as I've learned from both of you, it's, it's anti-nursing home coverage. That's one of the biggest, you know, um, non-facts out there about it. And, and now the stats have even gone up. I've seen, I've um, I just updated my own um, interview and part, and, and, and I will say that, that uh, now the stats are less than one out of 10 that a couple will ever have a person go to a nursing home. One um, out, wow. Less than one out of 10. Yeah, not one, it's a big exact 9% that, that you'll ever see a nursing home as far as your care goes. Because again, with the innovations in, in how people can take care of themselves at home and or their, their spouse or loved ones can take care of them at home, more and more people are staying at home. So, and every statistic in the world says they live longer at home. Yeah, again, and if people you have should the be... resources of a policy yeah. to help pay for it. Yes, you can afford to stay at home and, and so forth. So, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, the reality of of the confusion was because it began as nursing home insurance. Right. So, you know, in the early days of of coverage, that's what people were insuring against, and it also was a very senior now my age kind of person that was buying the average age buyer was middle 70s and it was a, a female a single female that was interested in um, and they were interested in it because they were they needed coverage for an event that was going to take place in the very near future and that was one of the big mistakes that the carriers made early on ensuring people that they shouldn't have insured to begin with uh, because they were too old and too sick so you know making money and having profit uh, believe it or not, is still an important part of what an insurance company goes after. And that's why most insurance carriers did not even enter into this space. You only had about 5 or 6% of the carriers mm -hmm. that in business that ever even offered, I'm not even saying selling, because most of them didn't get to sell much, <clears throat> even offered a product for sale. And now that's been continuously gone down in, in the numbers because it has not been a profitable product the product design of the past was not a very profitable product for the carriers. Even though everyone thought they were overpaying for it, they were actually underpaying. Cause Absolutely. It was the wrong and that's the point that Peter's making that needs to be made. It's it, The fact that there were so many uh, uh, carriers who figured out they couldn't make money doing this is only an indication of how good a deal it was, how good a product it was yes. for those who bought it. Because they all bought it frankly, under under the price it should have been priced at from the start. Absolutely. Well, not only do they do that, but they use the benefits. Yeah, they use the benefits in greater numbers than anybody ever projected. There were two and major mistakes longer. made. Hmm. They, the major mistakes by the carriers is they made assumptions, and this wasn't the marketing or salespeople. This was underwriting and actuarial people. They assumed that people would lapse at a much higher, they would drop the policies at a much faster, higher rate, uh, and that was very costly to them. And they also assume that if they went on a claim, they would have a short duration on the claim, and that didn't happen either. So if people don't uh, die and they don't drop their policies, they're going to use the policy at some point. And then in most cases, in, particularly in the past designs, they used the policies up to either the maximum or until death. Until and death. it became a very costly experience for, for the carrier. So they had to look at redesigning either withdrawing from the marketplace or considering doing something that none of them did for the first two decades, and that is consider raising premiums on products, 
A lot of people were very confused about that. A lot of consumers thought that their policy could not be canceled, which was correct. Uh, it was guaranteed renewable, but they they didn't understand that they there was the possibility of rate increases, and that is something that we're dealing with and facing right now. Which, which goes back to your first question, Peter. Your first question, Michael. What, what was you know when, when you asked Peter about why he got into the business and all that went with that? One of the the issues that that has clearly come to light is that we. We're in a space now, we're in an industry now where, where they haven't been able to accurately predict its usage. And so the, the, the carriers keep trying to uh, adjust to what the marketplace is really saying it can do, as Peter said, and still make a profit doing it. Right. And, and that, finding that balance has been extremely difficult. I, I can, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it always gets back to, you know, as I always start the show with the, the medical and scientific breakthroughs of this last three decades, who would have projected, you know, here's you know, a prime example, you know, in your 80s, you know, God forbid you, you tested positive for AIDS, you died. Now, if you, you know, in your 90s and 2000s, you test positive for AIDS, you get proper medication, and you live to be 90 years old. Uh, so many cancers are now 100% curable. So many different things. I don't think anybody had a way of predicting that. It, it certainly was a blessing, but a mixed blessing for sure if your profit and loss statement uh, was based on somebody staying, I think what you refer to as, on claim for 20 years rather than three years like they projected. I don't know if you saw 60 Minutes, not this week, but the week before, they did a whole segment on what they call frontal dementia. I might and, have seen it, but I forgot. Well, but the point being is that <laughs> as, we, as we attack, it's very clever, as we attack <laughs> the, the, these, um, uh, these different issues, like, again, Peter can speak because you said you've had the people from Weitzman on. They, they've, they've been on the cutting edge of pioneering uh, breakthroughs when it comes to Alzheimer's treatments. But, mm -hmm. um, but this frontal dementia thing, which is a version of Alzheimer's, doesn't have any cure whatsoever. It's back to where it was when Alzheimer's first came onto the... Wow. And it usually attracts people under age 60. But the point being is that whatever we seem to fix... As we live longer, we create new. There's always going to be something. Yep. So, so yeah, you're right. We got on top of AIDS. We'll get on top of Alzheimer's in the next ten years. We'll get. We got. We made great headway with uh, cancer and muscular diseases and mm -hmm. other things. But there's going to be something else, especially yeah. as we keep living longer. Yeah. There's no okay. Doubt. So, so that's what we've got. We've got both the good news and the bad news. So the good news is that people are living longer. And the bad news is that people are living longer. Yes. Because the problem is when you live longer, you tend to have illnesses that you didn't have at, at younger ages. So, you know, this is an issue that you have to deal with, the expectation that you're going to live into your 80s or 90s or beyond and what you're going to do about it if you're not living on, in a healthy way. Uh, now, people are much healthier than they used to be at that age, and particularly in certain parts of the country, we're seeing people very active in their 80s. Mm -hmm. However, the, ten the tendency is that you will start having certain deteriorating health. People don't tend to get healthier as they age. Um, I'm they, a they mm -hmm. Yeah, you're experiencing that yourself and you're not old. So, yeah. you know, um, so it's a question of whether you want to plan for it. Who's going to pay for it? Whether you want to transfer the risk to somebody else or some other entity such as an insurance and 
entity, insurance carrier, or whether you're going to self-fund for the risk. But you can't just, you can ignore it, but you really shouldn't be ignoring it. So, it's so something that you need to deal with. But Peter, let me take what you just said into a different direction, Michael. I hope you don't mind. No, because please. that's exactly that's exactly right. So um, we've, we've got this situation, as Peter well identified, where carriers misunderstood what the claims were going to be, and that's what's what led to all this. And so now, you know, the mother of invention is uh, necessity or whatever the saying is. Yep. So, we, so the states are facing this tremendous dilemma. The single most expensive thing in any state budget is the cost of Medicaid. And the single most expensive thing within Medicaid is the cost of nursing home or, or Medicaid is the cost of long-term care. So they have to create something. First, the federal government tried to do it. They came up with all these ideas. We're going to have a federal plan. We're going to have what they used to call the Class Act, which yeah, some of your viewers might remember which was going to be a federal program that addressed this, but they couldn't make it work financially, et cetera. And now the most recent thing, and I, I think I shared this with both of you, um, is that the individual states, now 14 different states, have taken, taken on the idea of putting together a state-run long-term care program with the idea of making payroll deductions as a way to help pay for it. A very modest plan. It's not going to be able to cover the, the real cost, but it will give you a floor. Mm -hmm. And, and um, in doing so, you know, again, it sends the message out, going back to why more people haven't bought it, sends the message out that, well, the government will have to fix this. The government's going to take care of me. When that's not going to be the case. Yeah. There's no way for them to adequately pay for this. I always wonder the, the mentality behind anyone, you know, uh, um, upper middle class, middle class, lower income, higher income, uh, religious based. I wonder who always, how do you arrive at, I'm going to depend on the government to take care of me in today's environment that, right. that they can't take care of anything. Um, it just staggers me when somebody says that the government will figure out a way to take care of me. Sure. Well, yeah. it's actually 110% of your income. Yeah, it's, it's just unbelievable to me. But we're almost halfway through the show, and I want to ask something because we have a lot of questions, and hopefully this is the first of many, many times that both of you are going to be here. There are new products out now. I know you, I've seen you two um, you know, do this so long for the last 10 or 11 years, but in the last six months, you, I've seen you both more excited, actually. It brought Peter out of retirement um, about sure. what is now happening in the long-term care insurance. And, and I want to talk about that because, you know, I am hoping that 62 Who Knew, as we grow, and we are continuing to grow the, the audiences, I'm very proud of what we're doing, but hopefully it's just a fraction of what we're going to draw in the future. And I want long-term care insurance to be a, you know, a, a mainstay, a mock of 62 Who Knew. I want to bring this to the masses so people know how great it is, that it's affordable. So one of you, each one of you, take turns, whatever. Well, I, I, I'll start, but I want Peter to jump in because he's, <clears throat> he's too smart not to have opinions about this. Go ahead. Tell so us about since, the new stuff. Since I've been on the show last, two new events have happened, particularly in the state of Florida, um, that have elevated or, again, helped propel the long-term care market a little further. One happened on May 13th, um, and that was the development of this Care Matters product from Nationwide that I spoke to you about, which I think is still cut above any other option or solution that's out there because of its unique features. And then 
it got approved, and I say this because I know you have a heavy viewership in Florida. Absolutely. Hawkins got approved in Florida, and that that makes uh, this product that is, I think is, again, extraordinarily innovative um, available to all the Floridians out there. So they should definitely take a look at that. It is the guy, if that's the case. Um, and uh, the, a company that had been on the market for a long time, uh, starting in July, and now opening itself up to almost every state but Montana and California, has, in it, has, has updated its product, and that's a company out of Indianapolis called One America. And they've come out with a new version of their product that, in, in, in effect, makes uh, the plan more attractive for certain niches, single men, couples who want to be on the same policy together, um, a couple of other little niches that, that, that again, is this, as we refine this business, it becomes finding the right product for the right person. And, and so everybody has a, has a wider choice of how to apply the different products that are available. And frankly, it's why you need to deal with a specialist. Exactly. So I will give one story, and then I'm going to let Peter chime in on this, because it just happened to me today. I had a client who got approved for that nationwide product, um, and she was she was really confused because her financial planner talked to her about the One America product, and she liked the idea of, of having lifetime coverage with the One America product offers, but, but uh, she didn't like the fact that it was a reimbursable product as opposed to the nationwide product, which is cash. And I'm not going to get into the weeds right now, but that's okay. to give you some of the highlights. Yeah. Right. It turned out that when we did a side-by-side -side comparison, she would have to get paid for 93 months before off the reimbursable product. And if she got the full amount each month, she'd have to get paid for 93 months to equal the amounts you would see out of the cash product 72 months. So in oh making God. a consideration, she has to decide that, hey, do I want to get my money faster or do I want to know that I can have it last forever when it's less than less than one out of ten chance that she's ever going to be in a facility for 93 months. Exactly. So, again, um, uh, these are the kinds of things that, frankly, a general practitioner would never be under, able to bear or understand. And it's why you need someone that specializes in this. When you're when you're looking at trying to get protection for yourself, absolutely. Peter? Sure. Uh, you know, okay. I want to get back to basics a little bit. Uh, number one, yes, there are much better products in the marketplace today than there were um, in terms of 10, 20, 30 years, or even a year or two ago. But we first have to identify that there is a risk that you understand about and how you want to go about uh, dealing with that risk and and why we're going back to the question why people weren't buying long-term care insurance to begin with. And one of the answers to that was because uh, of the unknown risks of owning policies, meaning policies that were going to have rate increases. So uh, some of the people didn't buy them uh, because of their fear of what that premium would be when they were in retirement. So we've now answered that issue because Yes, I'm going to go a little technical on you right now, but the words non-cancelable and guarantee renewable 
you would think that they mean something that they don't. A guaranteed renewable means that the policy cannot be canceled. Non-cancelable means that the policy cannot have a rate increase. Okay, so we have that now available with a number of companies that are in this space that Mark is alluding to, which is referred to as the link benefit space or the combination policies. So these are policies that have been filed as life insurance and they have a long-term care benefit that's much much bigger and greater and more important than the life insurance. But they, in, in very simple terms, they are live, die, or quit kind of contracts, which means if you decide that you don't want to keep the policy, there's a money back feature, which we never had before in traditional long-term care insurance. The money back yeah, feature is staggering. You have at least, and Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I've never seen a policy that didn't pay at least the death benefit equal to the premiums that had been paid Absolutely. on that, on that Absolutely. policy. Absolutely. And that, so you have no, no risk in terms of that way. Uh, so you have you know a death benefit equal or greater than your premium, a long-term care benefit considerably greater than your premium, okay? And, and the idea that what Mark was talking about is we now have two companies that I'm aware of, there may be three or four, um, that offer um, a cash benefit program. And I will get into the weeds a little bit here, just so that your yep, listeners and your viewers understand the difference in very basic terms. There's three basic models for long-term care insurance. The most popular one and the one that most of the people, when I say most, I mean 90 plus percentage of people that have purchased long-term care insurance since its beginning are buying reimbursement policies, which means that if you per if you purchase a plan that pays $200 a day, if your bills are $200 a day or more, you'll be reimbursed uh, for that amount of $200. If your bills are $100, let's say, you'll be reimbursed $100. Then you have another uh, policy that is referred to as an indemnity contract. An indemnity contract would say, okay, you bought $200 a day, as long as you have bills and services being provided to you, we're gonna pay you the $200. It doesn't matter that your bills are only $100 or $150, we're still gonna pay you the $200. And the latest version of uh, this kind of insurance is a cash benefit, which is more of a disability model policy. Cash benefit simply says, we're gonna treat you like an adult, you bought 5,000, 6,000, $8,000, $10,000 a month, and, we're gonna, and you've now qualified in the same way, all three contracts, still have the same qualifying triggers, but once you qualify for benefits, we're gonna just send you a check as long as you continue to qualify for those benefits and you decide what you wanna do with that money. That is very forward thinking. I'm not sure as an investor that you know that, that makes sense, but people were commenting about the early policies that were put out by MetLife, Prudential, MetAmerica, a few companies that actually came out with uh, long-term care insurance that were cash benefit plans. Um, because they were concerned that those policies were going to be more costly in the long run. I'm not sure that that actually ever happened, that companies lost more money on those contracts than reimbursement contracts. But when you compare the two, if people understand the difference, they're going to choose in most cases cash. What they don't do is they don't see that comparison. So your typical financial planner and estate planning person or general insurance person will not him self or herself even know the difference themselves. So they're not gonna be talking about this topic at all. And I think it's really important that your 
that your viewers do understand that there are different types of policies being offered. And right now we have state-of-the-art contracts that Mark is referring to, which will pay you back all of your money or more in one fashion or another, in one way or another, either because of death or cancellation or because you have a long-term care claim. So what we've done is literally taking the risk away from that client that's or that person that's considering long-term care insurance. And in my mind, there's really no good solid reason not to buy a policy of this type. Since the latest version, and Mark can go on uh, a little bit more into detail on this, uh, does not require a single big check, which was the big negative of this type right. of policies in the past. So, Mark, why don't you tell them a little bit about what's available in terms of if people don't want to pay it in one in one installment? Okay, so to, so both those products, <clears throat> excuse me. So both those products, whether they be the nationwide product or the One America product, have an option where you can pay. Have an option where you can pay um, <clears throat> uh, over the course of time. Um, the the One America product has an option where they let you pay up to age ninety five. Uh, and so they'll just they take 95 from whatever your birthday is and spread the payments out over that period of time. And um, Nationwide has a product that, that their product will let you pay up to age 100 if you're under age 65. If you're over age 65, then the most, the, the least, or the most time period you can take to pay would be 10 years. Now, the One America product lets you pay even if you're over 65, up to age 95. So again, it depends on the profile of the client as to which one would be the which would be the better fit. But to Peter's point, the funny thing about this is people. The, one of the biggest objections to the insurance in the past has been, well, what if I buy it and I never use it? Exactly. I'm never going to a nursing home. You know, what if I buy it and I never use it? Right. That was the big objection. Well, this took that objection away because one way or another, they were going to get paid. But so many of their other insurances are set up that way. Mm -hmm. When you buy an auto insurance policy or a homeowner's insurance policy, they don't go, oh, you didn't have a fire. You didn't have a car accident. Here's your, here's your money back. They go, here's your bill for the next year. This is staggering to me. What, what, what Peter described literally takes away the objections that any person that could afford this product, there are people that cannot afford it. Let's get the, you know. Those people will, will need the government help. But as you said, it's, it's more affordable now because you can pay it over a longer period of time. Right. But the objections of I'll never use it are now irrelevant because right. you're getting back at least your premiums, probably more in a death benefit, guaranteed right. renewable, non-cancelable. There just is no reason to ha not have this if you can afford it. And, and we've got to figure out a way. Yeah, we have to figure out a way how to get this message out to the public. Mark, before yeah. I forget, I know you had mentioned this. Do you think that we still have a chance of maybe getting a representative uh, from Nationwide? Yeah, to them they're, they're ready to come on when oh, you're what, ready. And what is the other one, America? Yeah, we uh, that one. You can, Mr. Birkin lives right there. You can get him to come on. I'm sure. All right, let, let's 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 say to our audience right now that very quickly we'll get representatives for these. You companies should have on. each of them on on separate nights, or yeah, have with, the two of us on, and we'll grill them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want to do. And uh, oh, yeah. I just want to remind the audience because I never remind the I never remind the audience of this, and this is my weakness. 
please, if you're listening to this, we have somewhere between 70 and 90,000 people listening to this. Go to 62whonew.com. Go to the long-term care insurance icon. Click on it. It's a teeny little dinky little form. Uh, Mark allow, thanks to Mark, you can uh, upload a, an incredible uh, Mark, uh, informational piece about long-term care insurance. But whether you upload that piece or not, a bunch of you that are listening now, you have to be listening to this going, this sounds too good to be true. What do you mean we're going to get our money? What do you mean it's non-cancelable, non-renewable? It's just, it sounds too good to be true. Go to the website, 62whonew.com. Click on the long-term care insurance icon. Fill out the information so Mark or someone, uh, or Peter, or someone in their organizations can get you information on this. this so is- you just touched on something... Yeah, I want to address that also. Good. You, you want to address it? Go ahead, because I want to. I want to. I want to take this to the next point. But you go ahead. Yeah, I just want to address the idea that if it is too good to be true, it's all the more reason why you want to look into the carrier that's selling the product, that's offering the product. These carriers are A plus rated by AM Best. They're great companies that have long term stability. You want to have people used to always ask me, "What's the best company? What's the best product?" Uh, and the best practice is one that's going to be enforced at the time of claim, and the best company is the one that's going to be in business at the time of claim. So yes. we do need to look at, you know, yes, affordability is a big, big issue, and these products can be adapted so that middle America can afford to buy them now. Um, but just as important is who it is that's making these guarantees, because those are pretty substantial, uh, and neither one of us are underwriters, neither one of us are actuaries. We're not investment gurus, um, and, and maybe to some people it will look too good to be true, but it is the right time because the other question that's always asked to Mark or myself or any long-term care insurance specialist is, when should I be looking at this kind of coverage? When should I be considering it? And right now the window is wide open for anyone, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even into your 70s, the product that you're talking about, Mark, at Nationwide is available from age 30 to 80. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, One America, you're, you're looking at you know, a, a target audience from the carrier's perspective of people in their 50s, 40s and 50s, early 60s. But if, you're, if you have decent health, you can qualify e- even into somewhat later life. And I do think it's important, Mark, that you address some... Uh, part of the underwriting, because that's another big question that a lot of people... Yes. And, and, and we, we, we should absolutely get to underwriting. I don't know whether we will, because like always, um, you seem to be uh, able to read my mind. It's light reading, I'll admit, but you're able to read my mind. Um, uh, There's pictures. The, 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 the question... Summer reading. Right. Yeah, so, that's right. Good for the beach. Um, uh, you, you use the word. One of the things that I have become extraordinarily sensitive to in not only helping people with these products, um, but making sure that they stay a program that services them for the rest of their life is the question of affordability. Yes. Because the average age has dropped to be technical, to be more specific to the average applicant today is 57. When I started in the business, it was 69, as Peter said, when he started, which was just a few years before me, it was like 72 or something. Right. When you started, Michael, it was like 104. But then we'll go back to, uh, to, to this affordability factor. The affordability issue is absolutely 
one uh, that needs to be right there, right after what Peter said about need. First and foremost, they have to admit they have a need for the product, that they need to put a plan in place. Because if they're not willing to admit that, they're never going to move forward True. to take action to do something. But once they admit they have a need, the next <clears throat> thing that you need to address is that you're going to find a way to design something that's affordable to them. So they don't have to make the choice between do they put the new roof on the house or do they continue to pay their long-term care. And, and, and as their life changes um, and as they grow older, in, in, in many cases, their cash flow will change. They have to take that into consideration uh, when putting a, a program and a plan in place. So, and, and again, and the cost of care is going to continue to go up. So that they need to consider all those factors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so again, designing toward affordability is on my hierarchy of needs. Now, the second thing after the need that they have the plan that that we need to address before whether they can qualify, as Peter's saying, because so many people are concerned about can they qualify, and it's a huge issue in today's marketplace because that's the way carriers tighten the reins on these products. You know, they they just get stricter about what they'll accept. And that's why the earlier and sooner that you apply and the healthier are you apply, the smarter you are because most people wait till they can't qualify any longer. Exactly. For the and then it's too late and they can't. You know, it's like, well, I want to get fire insurance because my house is on fire. Well, yeah. you're not going to get fire insurance when your house is on fire. So let me just touch on one little part of what Mark just talked about in reference to the affordability. Keep in mind, Michael, that this is a product that most people are buying for the rest of their life. It's not a product that they're going to only have for a short period of time, 5, 10, 15 years. So it is very important that the affordability you know, issue is brought up and addressed. And that is why if you're younger, you want to look at a limited payment program so that you're paying it up within a short period of time. As, as an example, a 10 payment program over 10 years or 15 payment or 2865 payment program so that you don't have to worry about that premium in your senior years when you may not be working and maybe you're, you're looking much more in terms of uh, utilizing assets as opposed to income to pay for your expenses. So again, affordability, extremely important, but there are ways to properly address that now Absolutely. and have fully paid up policies, which by the way, both my daughters have daughters have fully paid up long-term care insurance policies. Well, today. Folks, that, on the like, show, there was a question. Of course, yeah, like there was a question. because how young they are, I mean. You know, you oh, just said okay. something. Yes, they are young. You just said something, Peter. Let me quickly say something yeah, just, yeah, just before I forget, because sure, I'm always, sure. again, wondering why the world doesn't wrap its arms around long-term care insurance. I think you just said something, Peter, that I've, well, I just never heard you say it. And I think this may be why the masses are afraid of it. You said, you know, this is a product you keep forever. Now, we know we're going to have car insurance as long as we have a driver's license. But let's face it, when I was younger and an insurance person asked me about life insurance, their big presentation to me was, Michael, you're not going to have this for your life, but your children are younger and God forbid you're in a car accident. You want, you know, your wife doesn't make enough money to bring your children up the way, blah, blah, blah. There was always that, you know, you're going to need this for a section of time. You know, when you have health insurance, like my health insurance at 61 years old, I won't even tell you the premium uh, over the air because it's absurd. Uh, but I am looking forward to being 
in three and a half years, 65, and I'll have Medicare, and it will go away. I do think the, what you said, Peter, I think sometimes that strikes a chord with people that, wow, if I obligate myself to this at 55, I'm going to be making this payment forever, but that's not true now. You can do it more affordably, if I'm understanding you correctly, over 10 years or 15 years, and when those payments are done, you still have the policy for life. Well, the policies that, we, that Mark was referring to, the nationwide policies, the One America policies, can be paid in one payment even. Right, but for, but for Mid-America that wants to do X amount of money. Mid-America's not going to do that, right? Yeah. So they, there is a 10-year or 15-year payout? But surprisingly, they hardly, for, for the nationwide product, they hardly choose the pay to 100 because the more resources, more money you give to the carriers to be able to use, the sooner you give them that money, the more benefits you're going to get. Exactly. And yes. once they see that, which, which brings me to the third of my little hierarchy thing here, which, which, and I want to make the distinction about this to your viewers because there is a big distinction. There's a difference between affordability and value. And again, where another, where the, the specialist comes in is helping you see the maximum value for the dollar assigned to this risk as opposed to just getting the cheapest policy. And you Absolutely. want to find that balance between affordability and value. And they don't mean the same thing. No, and, no, and they never do. People tend, people tend to mix that, to mix them up. And the, the, again, knowing these products inside and out, you can find that value that, like I gave you that example just a few minutes ago, where, again, the woman's getting so much more benefit in such a shorter period of time than she would if she chose the other option, even though you know, it might cost less, and it, you know, it, and it really didn't cost less. It ended up costing her a lot more because you have to weigh the value of the product. Using the def different benefits and riders that are on these plans can help or decrease the value. And you need to understand, you know, you, need, you don't need to understand. You need someone who, who That's already right. understands right. for you what the, what, how to apply those things so as to protect you and get you the best plan. You want to talk about value? Yeah, I want to follow up on Mark's uh, statement. Um, the uh, history that I have is that I used to use a very simple math equation for people. I would take a look at the premium they were paying. I would make an, uh, an assumption or an agreement with them about how long they expected to live. We would multiply that premium out. We would even include rate increases into our assumption. And then we would look at claims and we would look at how long it would take for the average person on a claim, either early on or later in life, to recoup the premiums that were paid into the policy. And it always came out somewhere between three months and 12 months, every once in a while, 14 or 15 months duration, which right. made this a super buy for the consumer. Exactly. And it only takes you having a claim once in your lifetime for the uh, one year or less in order to recoup all the premiums you've ever paid in to this policy, which is one of the reasons why that carriers were not selling this product. And there's not that many companies selling traditional long-term care insurance anymore. Exactly. There weren't that many to begin with. Back in, in the day, there were 125, 135. Now you have a very small group of carriers that are doing this because they're doing that math to a much greater degree, to a much more advanced degree than I was just taking very simple math 
and saying, okay, here's your premium. Here's how long you're going to live. Let's multiply that out. What's it going to take, even with rate increases, for you to recoup those premiums? Today, you don't even have to do that because these pre premiums are guaranteed. So we know what the premium is going to be. The only thing we don't know is when you're going to have a claim, if you're going to have a claim, how long you're going to be on the claim, how long you're going to live. Okay, but we've taken that risk away by saying, well, if you decide that you never want uh, to utilize this plan for whatever reason, or you're lucky enough not to use it and you don't need it anymore, we're just going to give you back all your money. Or if you die before you have a claim, we're just going to give you back all your money. Or if you have a claim, you have a choice, depending on what you bought, of either us just sending you a check and you deciding what to do with it, or we're going to reimburse you for expenses. And there are advantages, as, and if you have Keith on from One America and you, you have the folks on from Nationwide, they're going to talk about their advantages or, uh, over one or the other. But either one would be a wonderful choice for someone to make versus not buying it or buying the old traditional product. I mean, it's, these policies now are so good. I agree with what you said, Mike. The, I don't know why everyone would yeah, be lying. I just don't get it. I mean, I can but literally... I say felt that they were totally uninsurable, and that's why I wanted Mark to yeah. address that issue. I mean, in all fairness, I can literally say why you shouldn't get a reverse mortgage. There are actually many reasons. You know, my passion, of course, being reverse mortgages. But when somebody says to me, Michael, should everybody 62 years old and above have a reverse mortgage? I go, no, certainly not. There needs to be a need. There needs to be a reason, a cash flow, maybe an increase in quality of life. That's borrowed money. <clears throat> and if you don't need to borrow money in this country, you know what? You shouldn't. There are reasons not to have it. I, I'll be damned. I can't think of a reason based on the comments of today why why you I mean just you have so many so many millions in the bank that's self-insuring yes. i can give you one legitimate reason right uh, uber wealthy so super wealthy people might say i'm just going to self-fund for this risk it's a million dollars is not that big of a deal i have 50 million or 100 million dollars i don't need to have an insurance company involved so i'm going to sell but the so interesting part of that is that very wealthy people buy the program because they insure everything else in their life. They insure their jewelry, they insure their yeah. life, they insure their cars, they insure every other part of, of their life. Why wouldn't they take this policy, which has the greatest exactly. risk of, of being used, okay, and, and buy a policy and transfer that risk to someone else, even if they didn't really need to do it because they could sell fun for it. Guess yeah. what? It's still buying it. I'm not saying I'm not saying that billionaires will buy it. But right. a lot of people that are very, what you would consider very wealthy people, are purchasing. But besides you and Mark, what billionaires are really watching 62? <laughs> Who knew it? So I'm not worried. So it's we're true. really talking about the top tenth, what, one tenth percent of this country are immune from these problems. The other 99.9 .9 have got to pay attention to this. And I know we're doing well, it. 25 percent, well, not, not, not the bottom group of uh, the people that That's just true. can't. That's going back That's to true. affordability. That's the people true. that are very poor are not going to be buying this either. Well, but, it, it, but, it, but it goes beyond that, Peter. And you, you know, I should, you, you, that is the way to think about this. The people who don't have the, the criteria we use when I talk to someone is, do you have forty to 50000 in income? Do you have at least 100000 in savings, not counting your house? That's the bottom line criteria because, again, it, it, people, there are plenty of people that, that don't have that that would like to get coverage, but the question is, do they need coverage? The Medicare or Medicaid says that they'll let you protect one house if you're a couple 
They'll let you protect one house, one car, and $126,450 worth of savings. If you're below that and it's going to affect their cash flow or it's going to eat into their savings, they don't need a long-term care policy. Again, a long-term care policy is not health insurance. That's what you think of it. Well, wait, I got to ask. We only That's have, right. They won't be suitable for the carrier. We even accept it. But wait a minute. I got a question. We only got, God, we got less than five minutes left. You two have to come on again real quick. That's very interesting to me when you say, what, 40000 a year in income and a minimum of, what, 126000 100000 in savings. Yeah. 100000 Okay. I, I have to say, I write mortgages, reverse and regular, constantly. And I am constantly writing mortgages for people in their 50s and 60s. Whose income is anywhere from eighty thousand to one hundred and twenty-five thousand a year as a couple, right. and they don't have close to a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Would That's they right. qualify for long-term care insurance? They can qualify for it, but they shouldn't. But to be honest with you, because it's it's about protecting those assets. If they don't have the assets to protect, if they're going to defer from saving money in order to get the insurance. They defeat the purpose of the insurance. The, the, it is not health insurance. It is wealth insurance. And that's that's where the, the line needs to be drawn in the consumer's mind, in the applicant's mind, is that they're doing this to protect their assets so they can, can have control over the process, not because they, they, they because all of a sudden, uh, isn't there as a, much as getting access to quality care is important, mm -hmm. not to the extent you have to spend your savings to get it. All right. Someone that has a quarter of a million or half a million or a million dollars does not want to burn through that on one claim. Another one that doesn't have risk. Any, so, the, the quality of care that you would get, I know you're saying it's not health insurance, it's wealth insurance. God, we're going into a topic we've never done in, in a decade of all, of all the times we've spent with each other, and there's only three minutes left. When you say it's wealth insurance instead of health insurance, if someone can afford it, but they don't have the assets, but they can afford it, isn't the quality of care from one of these policies that you're talking about a hell of a lot better than, than what they're going to get from Medicaid? Sure. It's a motivator, but it's not a, it's not a big and all end. Yeah, I if they've you. had a personal experience with it and they can afford to pay for it from cash flow without touching their savings? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Because I think there's a lot of America out there like that who may look at this as, you're right, I don't have big assets well, to protect, to to but I want quality. But I want quality when I'm 78. I don't want to go into the home. use a reverse mortgage and then look at paying a long-term care policy? I know it's been talked about in that reality. They don't, because the they, they don't because the reverse mortgage world is, I won't say the word that I'm thinking because it's my world. You know, <laughs> I think it was W.C. Fields who said, I'd never belong to a club that would have a member like me. Oh, it's Groucho Marx. That's the reverse mortgage right. world. The truth of the matter is, in the two minutes remaining, the, you know, the, in, in the 1980s, when the reverse mortgage bill was brought into play by Ronald Reagan, it was created, literally, to help people afford long-term care insurance and in-home long-term care. Our two industries are, are supposed to be married at the hip, and they're not. They're not even close. They're connected at the hip. But I will we're tell you... <clears throat> we're not even dating, yes. Uh, but, but I will tell you that with the addition in, in less than a a minute and 40 seconds of what is known as proprietary reverse mortgages. Not the Heckam, but there are now a half a dozen proprietary reverse mortgages that, that are much more apt
to want to work with the long-term care insurance business because the laws that we all talk about all the time, the infamous Claire McCaskill um, non-cross-selling law that has crushed so many dreams, especially of mine in the last 10 years, they only apply to the FHA, HECM, not to private proprietary reverse mortgages. That no longer is a hurdle. Now in the reverse mortgage world, we have to adhere to best practices of like you do, leaving the client in better shape. So with less than a minute to go, I got to say thank you, thank you, thank you to both of you. But we only got three out of ten questions done. So um, we have to come back again. I know, Mark, you'll come on. I know I learned something every time I come on. I didn't know there was a cross-dressing law until... Just now when you brought it oh, up. Cross-selling. Cross cross-selling. Oh, cross-selling. Yeah, there's cross no law against cross-dressing. There's <laughs> oh, no law against wow. anything. So with 30 seconds to go, Peter, thank you for being on for the first time, but I hope this is the first of many. Um, I My felt friend, a little bit. this, Peter. You should continue this. Yes. Have your own show. Get a yeah. pipe. Let, maybe you just pipe. both come on next week again. But now we're down to 17 seconds. To my audience, I've never Thanks, said man. this as many times as I'm saying it now. Go to 62whoknew.com. Click on the long-term care insurance link. Get information from these professionals. Four seconds to go. Thank you so much, both of you. And thank you to our uh, audience. Uh, See uh, you next week. Bye-bye, Michael.